If you are able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join in hearing the word, his word. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Exodus 34, 29 through 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterwards, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put his veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Our New Testament reading is 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites may not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains un unlifted, because it, only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turned to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day that you've brought us here, Lord, to gather together and give you praise and honor all of the glory that you deserve. Lord, you are the only one worthy of all of it. And so as we gather now to hear your word, as we have sang, as we have prayed, Lord, speak to us. Continue to transform our hearts. Lord, align us to the truth of your gospel. Help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit to live in a way that pleases you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to Use our church and work through our church as you have, Lord, to glorify you here in our community, in our country, and throughout the world. 
And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the church calendar today, today is Transfiguration Sunday, which means that it's the last Sunday before we start Lent. So Lent starts this Wednesday, and of course it's the 40 days before Easter. Transfiguration Sunday, or Transfiguration Sun, uh, the Transfiguration event, of course recalls the account where Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a high mountain. And there, it's the, these three disciples are able to see Jesus in all of his glory. He's transfigured before them as God, right? And so uh, we read in Matthew 17, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Now, as we go through the, the passages and the scriptures that we read today, and there's, today's Communion Sunday, of course, and so it's going to be a little bit shorter, but I, wanted, I want you to keep in your mind a couple themes First of all, the theme of light being shown. Of course, we read in the Old Testament passage about Moses, and when he, after he had come from speaking face to face with the Lord on Mount Sinai, he came down and his, his face shone, right? And here in the Transfiguration account, we see that Jesus, he, he, his face shone, right? White as light, as brighter than the sun. And of course, Paul addresses this today in our New Testament passage in 2 Corinthians. Now, this, of course, is a transfiguration of Jesus' original being, right? We know that the transfiguration actually is his human form, his human body. That's not what Jesus originally, who he was. Jesus originally is in glory with God the Father. And so, Peter, James, and John are able to see Jesus for who he is. It's kind of like, you know, a, a, a movie like the Avengers or uh, like a superhero movie or something like that, right? Where you see this person and you see the powers and they're, they're able to do these things. But then, you know, when the, the super bad guy comes, all of a sudden they transform, you know, into, you know, who they really are. And, you know, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings Gandalf where he's like, Psh, and you're like, oh, Gandalf, right? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> but I think sometimes the point is, I think we tend to overlook the immense significance of this transfiguration event in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's an absolutely integral event that just shows us who Jesus really is, assures us, and solidifies that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And I, I'm sure for Peter, James, and John, this really worked in their favor and their benefit in their ministry after Jesus ascended into heaven, to have that reassurance that Jesus is the Messiah. We've seen him in all his glory. Now, it is the fullness of this glory in which Paul speaks of in our New Testament passage today. The context of chapter 3 is that Paul is trying to explain to these people at Corinth about the glory of God in terms of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so briefly, the Old Covenant is basically the Old Testament. The New Covenant is the New Testament. Why? Because the Old Covenant was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And so now we are in the New Covenant. We are the New Covenant people. But it's still one covenant. It's a, it's a covenant that God makes with his people, that he will save us, and he has saved us. But Paul's point here is that the Old Covenant came through stone tablets, the Old Covenant came through letters written with ink and the law. 
But the new covenant comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, where now God's moral law is not written on stone tablets, but he has written it on our hearts. The new covenant is the true gospel that liberates us, that allows us to see God face to face, just as Moses did. In the old covenant, we remember that the people could not even look at God for they would die. In the Old Testament, there was only one person that could see God face to face, and that was Moses. We remember that when they built the tabernacle and the temple of God, only the high priest could enter into the most holy place only once a year. And of course, the most holy place was where God dwelled. And it was because, not that God didn't want to be with us, not because he hated his people, but because he was such a holy God, he was so righteous that if the people came into the presence of this holy and righteous God, they would die. And this was a result of our own sin and our own disobedience against God, which stems from the sin of Adam. And so, with all these things in mind, we read the Old Testament passage today. After Moses came down from Mount Sinai, after receiving, re-receiving uh, the commandments, the stone tablets from God, he comes down to the people. And it says that the people noticed that after he had come down, his face was shining with the glory of God. And it didn't say that they were excited. It didn't say that they were overjoyed. But rather, it said that they were afraid. They were scared for their lives that the glory of God was upon them. The glory of God, even a reflection of the glory of God, was unbearable for the people. And so Paul explains that this was so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Moses would veil his face and the people, he would, they, would, they would not be able to see that shining face anymore because he would veil it. Now Paul explains to us why Moses did this. So every time Moses went in to meet with God, he would unveil his face. He would see God face to face. And then he would come out and his face would be shining. He would tell the people the commandments. And then he would veil his face again. And Mo, uh, Paul, he says that this was because the old covenant, it wasn't good enough, as good as it was, and it was good, it was not sufficient in changing the hearts of the people. And so this was all to point forward to this new covenant, this better covenant, as good as the old one was, a covenant where we wouldn't have to approach God with veils over our hearts and our faces. Paul says that their minds were hardened so that they would not recognize their utter dependence on God through his law. Instead, they became legalistic. They chased after idols and false gods. And they rebuked the very God that made them his people. And Paul says that, that this was the significance of the veil. But we know that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, he was the fulfillment of this old covenant that was not sufficient enough to change the hearts of these hardened people. It was a point forward to the Messiah, 
who would fulfill the very law of Moses, the very law that Moses had brought down on that day from Mount Sinai. It is through Jesus that when one turns to the Lord, this veil is removed. So Paul here, he's talking about two things. He's talking about a veil of spiritual blindness, a veil that covers our hearts, and an actual veil that covered the face, like the one that Moses used. When he talks about the veil that covers our heart, he's talking about a spiritual blindness. And he says that even now, there are those who think they know God, who think because they came to church all their lives, who think because of their religiosity or whatever it may be, that they have this veil, figuratively speaking, over their hearts. And because of this veil, they cannot understand who Jesus is. Paul here is talking about personal testimony. He's speaking from his own life experience. Remember, he was one of the fastest rising Pharisees. He was being trained to know the scriptures. He had more exposure to the law than normal people, even other Jews. Yet, it wasn't until he was physically blind that the veil over his heart was lifted. And he was able to understand and know who Jesus really was. And just like him, he says, there are those who have a veil that lies over our hearts. And we think we can see, but we don't really see. In that figurative sense, let us all beware of a veil that might lead us away from Christ, a true gospel of salvation, the veil of religiosity, the veil of legalism, the veil of works, the veil of knowledge. It's only through Christ that Paul says this veil is removed and only through faith in Christ are we saved by his merit. But for those whom God has chosen to enter into this new covenant, they are now able to boldly proclaim and boldly approach God, just as Moses did face to face. Notice that in the Old Testament, anyone who saw God would immediately die. We read in Exodus 33, the chapter previous to the one we read in our Old Testament passage today. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So there was only one person that saw God and lived, and that was Moses. And that was for the work of God, for the will of God. But everybody else who saw God would die. But Paul says that this veil has been lifted. This new covenant has been ushered in through Jesus Christ, where now we are able to meet with God face to face. Almighty, sovereign, righteous, and holy God, we are able to see face to face and not die. And I think we take this for granted a lot of the times because we live in the 21st century and this has been thousands of years where people are like, yes, we can pray to God now. We can approach God. We can come to his throne. And it's been taught to us for so long all of our lives, we just kind of take it for granted. But it was not a thing in the old covenant. We who are wicked and sinful and wretched through the blood of Jesus Christ, are now able to come before God face to face. 
The three disciples in our New Testament passage, they saw Jesus in all of his glory. Just a glimpse, just for a moment. But they were able to see Jesus for who he really is. But they didn't die. Why? Because it is now through Jesus that, as Paul says in today's passage, we are able to behold the true glory of our Lord. And we are able to do it with an unveiled face. In the Old Testament, it was only Moses who could do this. But in the New Covenant, we are now like Moses. We are able to uncover our faces and approach God in his glory. And so this is how John Calvin states it. God speaks to us now openly, as it were face to face, and not under a veil. As Paul teaches us when speaking of Moses, who put on a veil when he went forth to address the people in God's name, under the gospel, this veil is removed, and God, in the face of Christ, presents himself to be seen by us. And so this is freedom for those who are entering into this new covenant. As Paul says in verse 17, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now this freedom, unfortunately, isn't talking about dancing. And i gotta, I got to tell you a story. <laughs> so when I was young, I, was, I didn't grow up too reformed. A little bit reformed, but not much more Pentecostal and charismatic than reformed. And so I remember going to a church, I think I was about 11 or 12 years old, and there was a great musician and pastor of worship that was leading the worship. And he, I remember he used this verse, right? The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. And then he went on to say, and so we can dance during the, the songs, we can lift our hands, and we can do all these things. And, and I agree with those things. We ought to express ourselves in the way that, that we feel that we can glorify God the most. If that means you, you need to dance, and you can do that as long as it's orderly, as long as it's biblical, right? Okay? As long as it's biblical. So I, I don't have a problem with that. But, unfortunately, that is not the freedom that Paul is talking about here in verse 17 of our New Testament passage. So if, if you want to justify dancing in church, you're going to have to look somewhere else. The freedom that Paul is talking about here is the freedom to be able to approach God face to face. The freedom that comes through Jesus Christ that we are no longer chained to the letter of the law. But now it is grace through grace and through faith in Jesus Christ that we are free in our Christian lives. We are given this freedom through Jesus Christ, and we are able to be bold in approaching God, but now we are also able to be bold in living out this Christian life. So in verse 18, Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. By the work of of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, this veil has been removed from our hearts so that we are able to know God, so that we are able to confess and believe in Jesus Christ as a Messiah, and we are able to see the glory of God. But the veil is also removed from our faces, so now we are able to approach God face to face, but 
the veil is also removed from our faces so that, as Moses did, we, as a people of God, are able to shine that glory to a watching and an unbelieving world. And so, Paul says that we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In verse 18, there's a Greek word that seems to be overlooked in some translations. It says, beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding the glory of the Lord. But there's a Greek word hidden in there. Ketotritsomenoi. And this is what it means. It means to reflect as like a mirror. So we can read verse 18 like this. Beholding the glory of the Lord as reflecting in a mirror. This doesn't mean that we are beholding the glory of the Lord and we are reflecting his image and so we are becoming God or we are God as some heretical teachers teach. We're not God. What this means is that God now has taken the veil off, off of our hearts. He has taken the veil off of our faces and so now we can we can reflect that glory unto the world as Moses did to the Israelites. God has put his glory in us to reflect it to the world. Not only are we now able to approach God with unveiled faces, but now we don't have to hide that glory of God as Moses did because we have Jesus Christ. And so we allow the glory of God to shine forth from our lives like a mirror so that all may see his glory and give him praise. So then Paul states that we continue to be transformed and sanctified into the same image of Christ. And so we're being sanctified daily to become like Christ, to become like him in his image so that God may be glorified through our lives. This is how George Guthrie states it in his commentary. Paul proclaims that new covenanters have an ongoing, unimpeded, face-to-face relationship with God. They constantly gaze at the Lord's glory by the work of the Spirit in their lives. The result is that they are being transformed into the image, the same image. Initially, while in this earthly body, the transformation is internal, since Christians today do not shine outwardly like Moses, literally, physically, this transformation is inward as God changes us in accord with the new creation through, the tr- through transformation of the mind, heart, and character. But outward manifestations of this inward transformation in Christ-like character and actions certainly reflect the glory of God. So as we live in the new covenant presence of God, observing his glory, we manifest God's presence and his communicable attributes. So what does this mean? As Christians living in the new covenant, we are able to reflect God's glory, not literally like Moses, right? Our faces aren't shining. I think sometimes, you know, as a compliment, someone will say, oh, your face is, you know, shining today or whatever, but it's not, you're, it's not actually shining, right? And once you go into the presence of the Lord and you pray with him and you spend time worshiping, you know, our faces aren't literally shining. But the communicable attributes, the character of God, Jesus Christ, his spirit in us, we are able to reflect that through our lives, and that is bringing glory to God. 
And so, we look forward to the day when we are perfectly restored in that glory. We are being sanctified, and we will continue to be sanctified, whether you are 5 or 15 or 50 or 500. I don't think there are anybody in here that's 500. But we will continue to be sanctified until the day that we are glorified in heaven with Christ. And so we look forward to that day that even God's glory now is only reflected through us. It's not the full measure of the glory, but when we are united with Christ, we will be able to gaze and see him in his full glory. And we look forward to that day. We look forward to the day when we are able to be with our Christ. As Moses was changed forever on that day, when he when was face to face with God on Mount Sinai and he was changed forever. We too are being transformed and changed. Every day, whenever we encounter our living God, we are being changed and transformed. In his book, The Holy Spirit, Sinclair Ferguson writes, in scripture, image and glory are interrelated ideas. As the image of God, man was created to reflect, express, and participate in the glory of God in miniature creaturely form. Restoration to this is effected through the Spirit's work of sanctification in which he takes those who have distorted God's image in the shame of sin and transforms them into those who bear that image in glory. Remember I said in the beginning that this was, all of this happened because of our own sin and, and our own disobedience before God through Adam. But you see what, what God is doing here through Christ is he's reversing that. He is restoring what he had made in the beginning. He's making it new. And so we who are in sin and disobedience, he has taken and he has written his law in our hearts. He has given us his own spirit. He has taken out our hearts of stone and he has replaced them with hearts of flesh. And what is he doing? He's now reversing that. He's sanctifying us back so that we will be glorified with him. And so in the grand scheme of time for us, God created us in perfection to have perfect relationship with him. That was broken. But he himself, by sending his only son, Jesus, has turned the tide. He has brought us into this new covenant. And in his grace and mercy, he has redeemed us. By the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ, the veil has been lifted from our hearts. The veil has been lifted from our faces. And as we read in Matthew 27, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. So that now, no longer do we approach him and die, but now we are able to be bold in the freedom that he has given us through Jesus Christ through his flesh and through his blood, we are able to come and approach him face to face and join him at his table to have communion with him and to have communion with one another. And this is why we give all praise and glory to our God. Amen.